Hey, happy day after the baseball all-star game, Met fans. How are we all doing? What a crazy first half it's been. And as always, the all-star break is the time we reflect, look back, celebrate if we're having a good year the first half, moan if we had a bad first half. Luckily, I can say we're celebrating the first half. Now we want to talk about the second half, where hopefully there's even more celebrating. And I think there will be. Now, we always reflect on what went on the first half of the season, don't we? At the All-Star break? Yeah, we do. I do. Now we want to know, okay, why isn't the Met lead bigger? Some of us who want to go for the gusto and say, this is our year. Why aren't we doing better? Or some say, how did we get this far? But I will tell you this. Since 2007, the Mets have not been atop the NL East at the All-Star break since 2007. So let's take time and embrace what happened in the first half. And let us remember that it has been pitching, pitching, pitching. And that's always been the case when the Mets have been, had successful teams. And bench depth. I've always said you don't need the superstars as long as you have a quality player at each position. No weakness at a position. You'll do okay. Well, that might have been questioned at some point. Because the bench depth came through. And what testament to general manager Scott and Louis Rojas for keeping his team where they are all season. Fantastic. But on the other side, the Mets have a three and a half game edge, but they actually could have done better and had a bigger lead. And why? Well, the offensive struggles were mostly to blame. The Mets are 29th in MLB in scoring, averaging 3.76 runs per game. Now, we all know that lineup is much more talented than that. And with everybody coming back healthy, I can almost guarantee that we won't finish 29th. But they still have to play up to their potential. But the good thing is, no matter what happens the rest of the way, I think we're actually going to have fun baseball in September. Am I guaranteeing a, a pennant? I can't say because I'm emotional. I get too tied up in the Mets. I can be objective about the players' performances and everything up till now, but I can't tell you whether or not they will win. I mean, Atlanta took a big blow with Acuna going down, and... Who knows if Washington reached their peak with their hot streak in Schwarber. And the Phillies, they have more underachieving problems than the Mets, it seems. So let's just hope that the guys who performed in the first half of the year, and I'm going to tell you who I thought performed well in the first half of the year. And I think you'll agree. I think you'll agree on this. The star player on the Mets by far and away has been the Grominator. He is on track for his third Cy Young Award in four years, and after posting a 1.08 ERA in the first half, he has been the man. Great defensively, great offensively, and his pitching is the best it's ever been. Now, the only question is, we just need his durability, and we need him to stay healthy, and we'll be okay. And right behind him is Taiwan Walker, the off-season free agent steal. He has given the Mets a top fight number two starter with a bulldog, bulldog mentality. He just goes at it. And he has allowed just 63 hits in 90 innings. And if it wasn't for DeGrom, he'd be the ace of this staff. 
and Brandon Nimmo. We missed him a lot. He missed some time. But just a small dose of Nimmo shows you how valuable he is to this team. Now, his hand, hand injury cost him two months. But without a doubt, the Mets are clearly a better team with their top of the lineup and playing center field. And you can even argue that he may be the, the best everyday player on the team. Now, how about Aaron Loop? They were going after Brad Hand last winter, but they got the left-handed loop instead when Hand signed elsewhere, and he has pitched to a 1.61 ERA in 31 appearances. I don't think the Mets even expected him to do that well. And how about the Strowman, Marcus Strowman? He rounds out my top five. He rebounded from missing an entire season, and that's tough to do. And, uh, he did way better than most people anticipate, including myself. And he's been durable. He's been going out there every fifth day, so God bless him. Uh, doing very, very well for the Mets, but I don't consider them to be top five material. Seth Lugo, again, we miss Seth Lugo. Without a doubt, we miss Seth Lugo. And he's still, the, when you look at it, he's still the Mets' most dependable reliever. He was missed the first two months as he rehabbed from elbow surgery, but it's helped carry the bullpen with a 2.65 ERA in 16 appearances. You gotta love Seth. I said he could have been the starter. I think he's he can be the starter. Let's face it, starters go five six innings all the time now, and Lugo has a good variety of pitches that he he could be a starter. But I think the Mets are more comfortable with him in the role that he is in. So I'm not going to argue with the Met brass. They're in first place. I don't think I could have done what they did. So fantastic to him. Now, Pete Alonso's had a good year, and the reason why he's had a good year is he finished the first half with a bang, blasting six homers in 14 games. And you know what? He's on track to surpass 30 homers and approach 100 RBIs. Now, can he ask for anything more for that? I think we took Pete Alonso for granted a couple years ago when he had that great rookie year, but he is really reliable. I mean, he has his peaks and valleys, but he'll put the numbers up by the end of the year. And how about Edwin Diaz? He's converted 19-21 saves, but his numbers still haven't played up to his stuff. Uh, he did have that letdown Sunday, and that was jarring. It set us back a little bit against Pittsburgh, and I think he could have made the All-Star team. He was borderline, but more often than not, Diaz has slammed the door, and that's more than what we expected. And how about Drew Smith? What a pleasant surprise he's been. He's earning chances to perform. And high leverage sister situations after a first half, and we pitched to a 2.92 ERA in 19 appearances. Walks are a problem with him. Sometimes he does have control stuff problems. So hopefully, you know, he's not coming in the eighth or ninth inning, but he's a good arm to come in to hold, you know, hold down the fort until the eighth and ninth. Now these guys have done well enough to say, okay, you guys have done a good job. How about Tyler McGill? The rookie, he was thrust into the rotation and responded. No one even knew who Ty War. Now it's Ty War. Remember, Ty War, Ty War McGill. And he had 26 strikeouts and four appearances. And I keep saying he's got the stuff to be a starter. He may be up a little bit earlier than we had hoped, but uh, he could be a needed place, a piece in that rotation in the second half. I think so. I say stick with him. Now, how about Louis Guillerme? He has a knack for getting on base and providing the Mets with good glove at multiple infield positions. Uh, he probably isn't an everyday player. He gets a little overexposed, 
But as a bench player, he's fantastic. Also another fantastic player, Jose Peraza. Now he only has a 680 OPS, but it seems like all of his hits have come when the Mets really needed them, hasn't it? He's been Mr. Clutch for the Mets, and he can play defense pretty, pretty well. And as I always said, pitching and defense should always be your first priority, and that's why Jose Peraza will always have a spot on this team as far as I'm concerned. Now, how about Thomas Nito? He's come through in the in the clutch as a backup. Uh, a great, great catcher. Great pitch framer. And his offense is continuing to show improvement. And you know what? If need be, he could be the starting catcher. He just doesn't have the bat that McCann does, but he is okay. And how about Kevin Pillar? I think he's the leader of the bench mob. And he struggled a little bit to plate with a 645 OPS, but he gets the benefit of the doubt for his resiliency after getting hit in the face by a pitch in May. Some guys would have been shelled for the year and their confidence shattered, but not Pilar. He helped keep the outfield intact when the key players were injured on this team. And how about Jonathan Vilar? He's one of the key depth pieces the Mets add in the offseason. He has stabilized third base in J.D. Davis' absence, and the team could use better defense from him, but his bat still plays. Now, guy's doing satisfactory work, uh, but there's upside to them is Dominic Smith. Much more was expected than his 7-10 OPS after last season's breakout. He's crushing lefties. Now he just has to figure out how to start hitting the right-handers. Jaris Familia. Uh, his numbers are almost exactly what they were last year in the 60-game season. He's dependable, but again, what hurts him is his control. He has 16 walks in 26 in the third innings. How about Trevor May? He hasn't been Mr. Consistent. Uh, and they're paying him big bucks for a reliever, two-year contract worth 15.5 mil. Uh, and he has allowed six homers in 32 and two-thirds innings, but he has shown brilliance. And how about Billy McKinney? For a two-week stretch after he arrived following a trade with the Brewers, he carried the team. The unfortunate thing is he's been quiet lately, but he gives the Mets a left-handed battle off the bench in defense. So he's a great utility outfielder. You can't depend on him every day unless he gets hot, but how often will he get hot? Now, a guy I was touting all year, Miguel Castro. He was dominant early in the season, but he's gotten knocked around lately. And his slump could leave the Mets looking for another bullpen arm come the trade deadline. Maybe he's just tired. I don't know. But he's just got two electric stuff. But he's had a habit lately of just throwing bad pitches. And a little bit of a disappointment. And we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. How about Francisco Lindor? Uh, the past month has saved him. Otherwise, he'd be an ultimate disaster. But he's rebounded offensively. His defense has been elite. And he's just great defensively. That said, he just does need to be better offensively. And another one struggling. Another free agency. Maybe it's that first year free agency jinx in New York. I don't know. But it's James McCann, and he struggled offensively over Friday. Mixed results behind the plate. He has a good arm, but his pitch framing has been an issue, and that's where the needle factor comes in. Uh, how about Jeff McNeil? McNeil, uh, did he and Francisco ever decide if it was a rat or a raccoon in the tunnel? <laughs> Remember that? Good thing that's all gone and forgotten. But uh, like his counterpoint, Keystone counterpoint. Uh, McNeil's been a disappointment, but he is heating up. Now, David Peterson's, let's say, he's been a borderline flop. 
He regressed from last season when he helped save the rotation. And people were upset when he got hurt, but he wasn't really helping us when he was in the rotation. But the potential's there. He owns a 5.54 ERA and a 1.40 whip as he rehabs from an oblique strain. Now, the biggest disappointment on the Mets, and I never thought I'd say this, is Michael Conforto. Let's face it, he's been lost at the plate all season. The hamstring injury that cost him a month only exasperated matters. I thought he'd come back strong from the injury, but he's almost as bad as he was, if not worse, in the first half before the injury. And uh, he's not doing himself any help as far as that big contract is concerned. And how about Louis Rojas? The Mets survived losing much of their lineup to injuries in May and June and arrived at the All-Star break in first place. Now that has to be some credit to the manager. I don't care what the naysayers say. And how about Zach Scott? The rookie acting men general manager has led the charge to improve the Mets defense through shifting and shown proficiency finding smaller pieces that can help the roster. Yes, it looks like Zach is a analytical statistician whiz, and that's what you need in this game. So, Zach, you've done a fantastic job. Congrats. Now, the big buzz the last few days was the MLB draft. And uh, everyone keeps saying that Kumar Rocker is going to be the man. Uh, some are comparing him to Johan Santana. Uh, and if it, that's the case, we got ourselves a steal. Uh, the Mets have an agreement of, 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 with Rocker for $6 million signing bonus. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. And uh, he is a great competitor. I've seen some of the Vanderbilt games with him and Leiter off to that fantastic start. I had to watch some of the games. They'd be pitching Friday and Saturday back-to-back. And that was either on the SEC Network or ESPN Plus. And it was fun. It was fun. Uh I'll admit, Leiter was more electric, but you never know when you come to the pros. But Rocker's been electric, and he's a personality, too. And uh, like I said, from what I'm hearing, that for the Mets to get him at the 10th pick, that is unbelievable. So we'll see. You never know what happens. Uh, projecting his fastball low to mid-90s with the potential for growth. And he has a very good breaking ball. Uh, and he, he always tries his best from what I hear. He's a great, great competitor. So we'll see. But you can't, can't complain about that. Rocker will be rocking City Field probably sooner than we think. Now, a guy I thought would be rocking City Field sooner than we think. <coughs> He's a guy I've been preaching on this podcast for a while. Excuse me for coughing. I was rude. I didn't apologize. Shame on me. Was Thomas Zabuki. I've been expecting him to be pitching for the Mets for the last couple of years now. But he suffered another blow. He ended the season as the club's 10th ranked prospect. And he made his major league debut last month. And he'll undergo season-ending ulnar nerve transposition surgery. And uh, that's not good. Now he made his debut out of the bullpen against the Braves on June 30th. And... Let's face it, he didn't look all that good, allowing six runs on seven hits and three walks in three and two-thirds innings in that debacle, that 20-2 loss to the Braves. That was probably the Braves' highlight of the year. In 10 games for AAA Syracuse, Zabuki pitched to a 4.10 ERA and battled command issues, walking 28 across 41.2 innings. Now, in his latest setback for Zabuki, uh, fifth-round draft pick in 2015, uh, 
it's been rough for him. He missed most of 2017 and all of 2018 after undergoing Tommy John surgery. And the ulnar nerve transposition surgery is not unusual following Tommy John surgery. And uh, Jacob deGrom underwent a, a similar procedure. Now, in 2019, Zabuki did pitch okay. Uh, he came across with a 2.63 ERA during 61.2 innings. And that's when he was starting to show that potential to be a fixture in New York's rotation. Unfortunately, in 2020, he didn't pitch due to the minor leagues being canceled due to the pandemic. So this leaves the Mets in a little bit of limbo. They're still trying to figure out <coughs> where their rotation is going to go in the future. Uh, with Carrasco and the return of Noah Syndergaard, what's going to happen there? We lost Lucchese, we lost Peterson, we lost Gazelman, we lost Foley. Oswald's out, Yamamoto's out. We got more guys out than in, it looks like. So with the trade deadline set for the end of the month, Zapuki's injury only seems to further emphasize the need for the Mets to add an arm or two to bolster the organization's depleted death. Like I said, you don't want to make a trade that's going to kill us. So all we need is arms just to get us through. If the offense can hold the way, like I said, in the postseason, if you've got your big three in a rotation and a good core of two or three relievers, you'll be fine. You just have to win the damn division because we're not going to get the wild card. That's coming from the West. No doubt about that. But uh, <clears throat> it was funny, though, with all the Met injuries, there was talk of Yolanda Cespedes coming back. and uh, But the talks didn't go far. He did have a showcase in March. Uh, but he didn't want to join the Mets or any other club in a minor league contract, and that's a red flag. Looks like Yolanda's is calling the shots again. So I'm kind of glad... You never know with him. He could be a little bit of a head case sometimes, but, you know, you want a guy who wants to be out there. And let's face it, there are times where he's been a dog. So, and I know we had to sign him after that 2016 season. The Mets would have, Mets fans would have won haywire if we didn't. So, we'll find a way. But it was intriguing that they were actually considering Cespedes, but we'll see what happens. We, I think we can survive without him. That's for sure. Now, how about Noah Syndergaard? Let's face it, he hasn't pitched in like two years. So, I wonder what's going through his head. Uh, yeah, he's always this big guy bravado, sort of like Cespedes. You always see him bulking up and working out and everything. But, we'll see how Syndergaard comes along, too. He's one that always scares me, too. And uh, we're looking at September, but who knows? He may not even pitch this year, let's face it. Sort of like Carrasco, they may keep pushing him back and back and back. Well, that's it for this first half. When we come back, we're going to do our first half. Well, we're including the first half here. We'll do our second half and honor the second half of the season and start off with some Mets trivia and Jeopardy. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back, and you know what that means. It's time for Mitch Jeopardy and Trivia. Who's ready? Got your thinking caps on? That's my people. You ready to go? Here is today's Met Trivia question. Who was the last Met to be chosen, chosen for the Louisville Slugger team? Once again, today's trivia question is, who was the last Met to be chosen for the Louisville Slugger team? Now today's Jeopardy. Two clues. 
First clue, traded with Jeff Kent by the Toronto Blue Jays to the New York Mets in exchange for David Cohn on August 27, 1992. Second clue, hit career high 18 home runs with the 1994 Mets. All right, lock in your answers, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast to see how you did. I think you're going to do okay. Okay, get out those party hats. We're about to celebrate some Met birthdays. How about we celebrate Johnny Murphy's birthday? Born on this date in 1908. Yes, Johnny is a member of the New York Mets Hall of Fame. He had a lot of non-playing roles with the Mets. He was a coach in 1967. Administrative assistant from 63 to 64. And a vice president from 65 to 69. And he was the general manager of the Mets from 1968 to 69. What a run that was, the 69 team, and Johnny Murphy had a lot to do with it. Worked well with Gil Hodges. Unfortunately, Johnny passed away on January 14, 1970, but he left his mark in Met history. It's a shame in a way that fans don't remember him, but we'll see. Now, happy birthday to Robin Ventura. He was born in this date in 1967. And while with the Mets, he won number four. And he was a third baseman on the National League Gold Glove team, 1999. And he was part of that great, great infield the Mets had back in the late 90s. We traded him back, we traded him to the Yankees in exchange for David Justice. And we did get him as a free agent, but Robin Ventura, the Grand Slam single, That'll be his claim to fame. And he had a great year that year in 99. Batted 301 with 32 homers and 120 RBIs. One of the better years in Met history for sure. He had a 529 slugging percentage and a 379 OPS. And he had some good years in 2000 and 2001 too. The 24 homers with 84 ribbies in 2000. And 21 homers and 61 ribbies in, uh, in 2001. So Robin made his mark. He was great. He went to Mets and Walks with 88 in 2001. And uh, just a great player. One of the greatest college baseball players of all time, too. Let's not forget that. Also today, celebrating a birthday, number 51, Jack Leathersitch. Who remembers him? He was on that 2015 club. Yes, he was, and he pitched 17 games, 11 innings, with a 2.31 ERA. He then played for the Pirates and Cubs in 2017. So Jack Leatherstitch, happy birthday to Jack. He is now 31 years old. So happy birthday to Jack. Happy, happy birthday. What else is going on, you say? I'm so glad you asked. There was a transaction that went on this date in 2003. The Mets traded Jeremy Burnett, who never really blossomed as a Met, to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Vic Diaz, Cole Strayhorn, Strayhorn and Yosolo Diaz. Burnett had a lot of potential, just never lived up to it, unfortunately. And what else is happening on this day? Well, let's hop into the time machine. Put on our time machine hats and go back to July 14th, 1989. 
It was on this date that New York Mets Sid Fernandez was in fuego with the strikeouts. He struck out 16 of Braves. But the Polynesian port sider lost 3-2 on Lonnie Smith's leadoff home run in the bottom of the ninth. As Led Zeppelin would say, it was a heartbreaker. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's recap the game, tell you what happened. The Mets took the early lead in the top of the second inning. Kevin McReynolds went solo for the Mets, and he went off at John Smoltz. Now, let me give you the lineup first for the Mets. Leading off Juan Samuel, center field, Dave Maggot in third base, batting second, Hojo batting third, shortstop, Strawberry, right field, batting fourth, Kevin McReynolds batting fifth, left field, Keith Hernandez batting sixth, first base, Greg Jeffrey, second base, batting seventh, Mackie Sasser catching, batting eighth, and Sid Fernandez pitching, batting ninth. For the Braves, Odeby McDonald leading off, playing center field. Jeff Blauser, second base, batting second. Lonnie Smith batting third and left. Uh, Thomas, the shortstop for the Braves, batting fourth. Dale Murphy, right field, batting fifth. Whithead, the third baseman for the Braves, batting sixth. Greg, the first baseman, batting seventh. Bruce Eggs, Benedict catching, batting eighth. And John Smoltz pitching. So quite a matchup. Smoltzy against Fernandez. And like I said, Mets got the early lead on Kevin McReynolds smacking a home run solo shot. But you know what? The Braves said, we're not we're not taking that. Dale Murphy led off with a single. Whithead got on a single two. Uh, Greg bunted him over, so it was second and third. Eggs Benedict uh, smacked a single, scoring Murphy. And then John Smoltz grounded out, uh, force out, second to short. They couldn't complete the double play. And that's where Witt had scored. So at this point, it's 2-1, to one, cruising, cruising, cruising. And then in the fifth inning, the Mets and Kevin McReynolds, again, he went off with a double. He went to third with one out, uh, one out ground out by Greg Jeffries to second base. And then Mackie Sasser slashed a single. A two-out single to tie it up, and now we're tied at 2-2. Two, two. So now it remained that way, 2-2, two, two, until... Until... You got it. The bottom of ninth inning, and up stepped Lonnie Smith to lead it off. And boom, home run Lonnie Smith, and the Braves won the ball game 3-2. to two. Tough, tough loss for Sid. He pitched eight great innings, six hits, three earned runs, one homer, and unfortunately went to Smith with 16 strikeouts. John Smoltz pitched a great, great game. He didn't get the win. They took him out after raid. He gave four hits, two earned runs, one homer to add to McReynolds, and seven strikeouts. And Joe Bover got the uh, win with one inning of relief pitching with one hit and one strikeout. So that was a tough one for the Mets to lose. Anytime you lose a game going like that in the bottom at ninth, and the Mets kind of needed that game. They were going into the National League East uh, two and a half games behind the Expos at the time, so they dropped the three and a half because the Expos won on that day. But the Braves were struggling. The Braves were not good in 1989. They had found themselves 15 games out going into the game, and with the win, they now improved their record to 37-52. and 52. So that's our game of the day for this date in Met history. Hope you enjoyed it. And what else was going on in this date in Met history? I know you're asking, and that's okay. I'll tell you. In 1968, in front of 57,011 on bat day at Shea Stadium, the Phillies take two to stretch their win streak to six. Rick Wise wins 5-3, and Grand Jackson fans 13-9-2 in his first complete game ever. Richie Allen knocks in three runs in each game with a pair of homers, and John Briggs belts a pair on the nightcap.
Now, in this date in 1969 at Wrigley Field, the Chicago Cubs topped the Mets 1-0 to give Bill Hands the win over Tom Seaver. Seaver fell to 14-4. He was having a good year. Billy Williams singles home the winner, boosting the club's lead to five and a half games. Now, after the last out, this was a little bit controversial. Ron Santo jumps up and clicks his heels, igniting a roar from the crowd. The Mets didn't take lightly to it. They thought it was kind of bush league. And how about Bobby V? On this date in 2001, Valentine won his 1,000th career game as pitchers Glendon Rush and Armando Benitez combined to defeat Boston on a one-hitter. When Rush is unable to cover first base, Trot Nixon's first inning bunt single is Boston's only hit in the 2 nothing game. And now we're going to tell you what's going on in the Mets Baseball Way of Life Facebook group. All right, now we're going to talk about what's going on in the group. Who's ready? As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. <coughs> Please subscribe to the podcast. You'll be updated every time one is loaded. We do one a day for the Mets. This is your place to find it. So whatever carry you're listening to this on, just subscribe. You'll be updated every great day. And I can't thank you guys enough for listening. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, New York Mets Baseball Life, please do join. It's a great group. Great, We have diehard Mets fans. No smack. We talk Mets as serious adults there. And that's what I like about the group. And if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm at philstin41 at gmail.com, and I'd love to hear from you. So what's going on in the group? Well, yesterday I asked, do you root for the National League in the All-Star Game? Is it the league the Mets are in? And Sam Giordano said, yes. David J. Rubin, yep. Tom Ragone, always an NL fan. However, the World Series is a different thing. Ravi Narayan says, always. Dan Wiener follows up Ravi by saying, me too. Ron Davis says, Mets in any former Met. Don Wild, yes, with an exclamation point. Glenn Scherr says, a National League fan, same with the World Series, unless it's the Dodgers. Joey Buchholz says, yes. Vincent Martell, yes. Steve Scanlon, of course. Israel Rosales, most definitely. Jeff Kember says, no, because the Phillies are. Tony Zarub says, yes. So interesting. And here's a little tidbit for you. Ever since Brandon Nimmo came back, he's been hitting 316 with a 421 on uh, OPS and a 421 slugging percentage. And everyone's taken off since then, since when Nimmo's come back. Is he the winding rod? Lindor's batting 355. McNeil 423. Dom Smith 273. McCann 261. Yormay's 4 for 9. Nito's 3 for 7. Hmm. Something in the water there. And let's not underestimate Francisco Lindor. Uh, since June 1st, he's batting 262 with a 468 slugging percentage, so he's finally coming around. Hey, remember Robert Stock? He made that emergency start for us the other day. He pitched well in Syracuse the other day. Six innings pitched, six hits, and earned run walk, and eight Ks, and only one fly out. And let's tip our hat to Taiwan Walker. He did allow a home run to Mike Zanino, and he was batting under 200. All star batting under 200. Go figure. He also struck out Whitmerfield and flashed 97 miles per hour on the radar gun. But more importantly, he made the All Star team, and it was well deserved. And remember J.D. Davis? Who could forget him? He went four for six with a home run, two doubles, and three RBIs for Syracuse. 
He is 7 for his last 12 with 5 extra base hits on his rehab assignment. He's due to rejoin the Mets when they open the second half of the season this weekend. And that should be fun. Those are some of the things we're talking about. Oh, we're talking about Kumar getting that contract with the Mets. Always good stuff. Great conversation going on at all times. And again, you guys rock it. I appreciate your support. And thanks for listening. Okay, back to our Mets final Jeopardy and trivia question of the day. Who's ready? Who is ready? I'm going to reveal the answers now. Grab yourself a seat. Rest your feet. Because it's time. It's time you guys knew what the answers were. Don't you think? I do. And it's very scary when I think. Yesterday's trivia question was, who was the last Met to be chosen for the Louisville Slugger team? Well, the correct answer is Yolena Cespedes. And congrats to group favorite Harvey Porras on being the first to submit the correct answer. Just to note, Cespedes was on the 2016 Silver Slugger team. And the two clues for the Jeopardy were traded with Jeff Kemp by the Toronto Blue Jays and New York Mets in exchange for David Cohn on August 27, 1992. And he hit career-high 18 home runs with the 1994 Mets. The correct response is, who is Ryan Thompson? And let's give a big congratulations to Harvey Porras on being the first to submit the correct response. Way to go, Harvey. And that'll do it for today. So once again, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, There's no Met game today. But you know what? That will not stop us from putting up a podcast tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow. Like I said, subscribe. You'll know when it's up. And we'll talk more Mets tomorrow. Have a great day. Enjoy the day off. Enjoy the break. Enjoy the hot weather. Take care, guys. Be good.